Good morning, good morning. Oh, praise God. Aren't you glad that God's in a good mood? Amen. I would hate to have him angry with me. I don't know about you. But it's good to know he's in a good mood. He's settled the issue of sin as far as he's concerned. He's allowing us to participate in the outworking of that as his children today. Amen? All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warm you up with a few things. God says laughter is good for the bones. So I'm going to try to be good for your, to your bones for a minute. Um, these are some of the, the things that happen when Christians do their best to communicate a good thing for God, and it comes out a little bit different than they intended. Church Bulletin. This morning, our message is Jesus Walks on Water. The message for this evening will be Searching for Jesus. <laughs> Oops. Oops. <laughs> Don't forget about the fasting and prayer conference for this weekend. Lunch will be served. <laughs> or one that happened in our own church body this last uh, few weeks. We had our, our picnic and uh, our brother Tom was trying to drum up some support for the work that needed to be done, and he said, uh, urgent need for helpers for this weekend's picnic. Would you be willing to help for Christ's sake? (laughs) So I called Joan and said, Joan, for Christ's sake, did anybody sign up? And my brother Tom gave me permission to tell that. So, you know, we're, we make mistakes, amen? But God is so gracious. Well, my message this morning is titled, How to Walk in the Spirit. And part of it, I always do this, part of it will be my testimony. get my breath back here. First thing I want to start with is this. You know, theologians have studied the Bible for centuries now, and a group called the Westminster uh, Conference came up with a catechism for the, um, come on, Roger, for the Presbyterian faith at the time. And this was many years back before things have changed as they are today in that faith. And the number one statement in the catechism, and they did it as question and answer, is this. What is the chief end of man? The answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You know, how come enjoying God makes me want to cry? (laughs) I don't know. Because of all he's done here. You know, the Bible is an amazing, amazing revelation from God. He's given us something that covers his purpose for the earth from the moment of creation to the time of consummation. And if God has given you a, a message from him, that encompasses the beginning to the end of what he's doing on the earth today, we have to realize that he has a purpose that he's accomplishing here. Amen? That your, your life has meaning. You have purpose in God's kingdom. You're not a mistake. 
You're not somebody's uh, disappointment. You're God's child. And he has a reason for your being here. And he wants it to make a difference in that perfect plan that he is working out on the earth. Amen? Amen. All right, so the reason that the earth is unique in all the heavens, and they can send up all the satellites and Hubble telescopes they want, but they're not going to find any other place in all of the universe where God is working out his plan to not only show the character of sin, but defeat it once and for all and remove it forever from his kingdom and his presence. Amen? So you do realize that before the earth was created, as far as we're concerned, as far as human beings concerned, Satan was already thrown out of heaven and thrown down here. Amen? Are you with that? Or do you believe that? I hope you believe that. That's what the Bible teaches. Sin first happened in heaven, not on the earth. Sin has happened on the earth because of Satan and his influence and his desire to steal us from God. But that's not where it first occurred. It first occurred in heaven when he rebelled against God's. And I, and I preached a message on this recently. He rebelled against his person, his purpose, his power, and his plan. He refused to submit to God. He refused to rely on God. He wanted to be something in himself. Anybody here identify with that? Hello? I mean, how much do we do to just try and make this body something that's significant? We dress it up. Sometimes we make it up, not men, I hope. We do everything we can to try and be presentable as human beings. Amen? Do you, do you agree with that? Not everyone, but, but most of us. And it's really not what makes us presentable in the eyes of God. He has another way. So, I just love this part about it. The earth is the only place where God's working out his plan to defeat sin and Satan. And by the way, Satan's already been defeated. It just hasn't been totally manifested yet. His character and the character of sin is still being displayed. It's affected much of our earth and our society, amen? Isn't it sad what the direction you see our society going? I mean, when I was a child, and I, I'm going to say this, I think I've said it in another sermon, we watch Father Knows Best. Now you turn on the TV, you can watch Father at His Worst. Amen? So I'm, I'm just trying to tell you the influence of Satan on the earth and on society has not decreased, is actually increased. And yet, God wants us to be able to overcome that, not only in the world, but also in our, in our own lives. Amen? That's his purpose. So God created and fashioned man to be one with him in spirit, to co-labor with him on the earth, to accomplish his kingdom purpose, and to manifest that kingdom here. In spite of the fact that Satan was already here. Now, I've had to ask this question. God, did you know man would sin? 
Since Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, he was already a redeemer and was already going to pay the penalty for sin before the earth was ever manifested as it is today or created as it is today for us to live on it. Did you know man was going to sin? And the answer is, yeah, he did. He absolutely did. But, you know, that's one of the ways he's, he demonstrates his character, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his redemption, his work of transformation. Have you been transformed? That's the question I would ask you this morning. Do you know for absolute certainty you've been transformed from who you are as a human being to who you are as a son or daughter of God? Because, you see, I can change my mind, but only God can transform it. Amen? I can try to change my character, but only God can change who I am. And so I need the work of God in my life, and not just as a one-time event, but every moment of every day. Because I still have a flesh. You still have a flesh? Anybody out there still have a flesh? I think it was uh, D.L. Moody who said, I woke up this morning and I looked in the mirror and I found out my enemy was there. Or in other words, we fight against the desires of this flesh that still is a part of our existence on the earth. We have to fight against it. The scriptures say that we have to fight against it, but the great news is this, victory is possible. Amen? Listen, before... Before sin affected the man and woman that God created, Adam and Eve, in the garden, you know, walking in the Spirit for them was, it was natural. They didn't even know they had a flesh. It says they didn't have clothes and they didn't know they were naked. They were so clothed with God's glory and so clothed with the Spirit, so alive in the Spirit. You see, God had breathed him, his own breath into them. And they'd never been tempted even to sin. It didn't come from them, by the way. It came from... Lucifer in the, in the garden. He's the one that brought the temptation. It didn't come from their character. It didn't come from their nature. It didn't come from Adam and Eve. They responded to it, but it didn't come from them because they were spirit beings in flesh bodies. And that's what God intends for you and I to be and how we are supposed to live now that we've been redeemed in Christ. And so... I want to say this about how they, how they saw themselves. They saw God was the source of their identity. They saw God was the source of their purpose. They saw God was the source of their provision. And they saw God was the source of the authority that he had vested in them on the earth before they sinned. But all things changed once they sinned. Did you know that? It says that when they sinned, God so told them that the day they would eat of that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, instead of depending on God for the knowledge of good and evil, they would take it for themselves. That day they would die. Now, if, how many have read Genesis or at least got, heard a few sermons from Genesis? How long did Adam live? Anybody know? 800 plus years. So if he was supposed to die the moment he ate of that fruit, and he lived 800 and some years, there must be a kind of death that occurred when he ate that fruit that didn't have to do with his physical body. Even though he did begin to die physically after sin. So how did he die? He died spiritually. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to die spiritually? 
James tells us in his book when he says this, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So in other words, death is really not cessation of existence, but separation. Let me say that again. Death is not cessation of existence, but it's separation. So when Adam and Eve died, they were spiritually separated from God. They lost the Holy Spirit as the ruling factor in their lives. And now the flesh began its work. And its work is subject to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is at work in all who are disobedient. That's what the scripture says. So, that all changed when Adam and Eve sinned. Their identity changed, their purpose changed, their provision changed, and their authority changed. Scripture says that we are all born in Adam. You know, I had to tell my kids that all I could give them was a sinful human nature. Did you hear that? That's all your parents could give you. We find that truth in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says there that just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all people because all what? What's that word? Anybody here that hasn't sinned? By the way, when, I was, when God was dealing with me, and I, I'm going to give you that testimony, but when God was dealing with me alone in a hotel room, when I read that verse, this is what he said to me. Roger, you're not only a sinner because you make bad choices, but you have a sin nature, and you can't change it. The Holy Spirit literally spoke that to me. And I'll tell you why he spoke that to me, because... All right, here comes the testimony. When I was working in industry... I accidentally grabbed a hold of 400 volts 60 cycle, and it shook me up. I fortunately got off it, did not end up dying while I was in contact with it, but I, my blood pressure went crazy, I, I was dizzy, I could hardly stand up, I fell to the floor, and they called the ambulance. And while I was laying there, um, I was raised in, in a Methodist church in Fulton, New York, going to a Methodist church, and I had come to the realization that this truth was true. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, that he took away the sins of the world. And you see, I had trusted in that as the means of my relationship with God as a fact, but that's the only, only interaction I ever really had with it. I accepted that fact. And so when I lay there on the floor, I prayed this prayer, Jesus, would you forgive my sins and let me into heaven? I can guarantee you I wasn't living a righteous life. And you know, I got an answer. And the answer was this. I'm sorry you never knew me. You only knew about me. When you're lying there about to take what you think is your last breath, that's not the word you want to hear. (laughs) Amen? And so for the next six months, um, I tried to change my mind and change my person. I tried to to clean up my act because I was afraid that I might die at any time, and if I died, I wasn't going to go to heaven. I was going to go to hell. And so I decided that my responsibility was to clean up my act so I would be acceptable to God. Anybody ever tried that one? Guess what? It didn't work. 
I would, I would do well for a period of time, and then some situation would come and trigger the old flesh response, and boom, there I was, caught, caught by my flesh again, submitting to the desires of the flesh and not walking in victory over the things that I wanted to be victorious over in my thinking, in my attitudes, in my words. And so I was about 300 miles away from home installing a, a digital process control company, uh, system for my company, and I went out to dinner, and I had all of a sudden this anxiety attack that, that I might die and go to hell. And so I just left, and I went back to the hotel room, and I sat down on the side of the bed, and I finally prayed this prayer. God, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it costs. I just want to be right with you. Amen? Wow, sorry. Just relive the moment. <laughs> I reached over and grabbed the Gideon Bible out of the drawer. Thank you, Gideons. And I opened it, and the first verse that my eyes fell on was that verse, Romans 5.12. And that's what the Holy Spirit said to me. See, you have a problem you can't fix. You have a problem you cannot accomplish for me. You have a problem that I can take care of. I can change your nature. Because the very next verse says that, Another person, another Adam came, his name is Jesus Christ, and by one act of righteousness, he could change everything. Amen? He could change everything. He could take care of your sin nature. He could change you. He could make you new. He could give you his life instead of death. So praise God. That was the first thing that God showed me. And then the next thing I found myself doing was turning to Romans chapter 6. And if you've ever seen... Well, wait a minute, I'm sorry. I, I need to show you one other verse before we go there. In Romans 8, 5 to 8, I, I find out later, after studying the Bible, that the reason that I couldn't please God by my efforts was God is not pleased by the human flesh. He can't be. No matter how hard I try, no matter what I do to try and be good for God, if I'm doing it in my strength, and by my flesh, he cannot receive it. Is that amazing? Some of you may say, but wait a minute, I know some good people. I know people who don't even know Jesus as their Savior, and they live some awesome lives. They live sacrificially. They give generously. They, they go to um, overseas, and they give their lives to minister to people who need their help with just sustaining life. And they do all these things in their human ability. And you know what? God can say those things are good, but he can't accept them. They can't accept them as the means to being right with him. Does that make sense to you? And you know what? Sometimes once we get saved, guess what? We're changed by the Holy Spirit, but then in our daily lives, we're trying to please God with our own ability. Amen? Anybody get, you ever get convicted of something and say, I have got to change? Well, it may be true, you have got to change, but guess what? You can't do it. You can't change yourself. Well, let's put it differently. I can change myself, but God can, is the only one that can transform me and make me like, his own, like him and, and make me his own. And so what I want you to hear this morning is that, you know, you may be trying your best to live for God, 
but you're finding that it's not successful in, in the ways that you want it to be, and the real reason is because you're doing it in the flesh and not in the spirit. You see, God wants us to be totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Totally. Totally. (laughs) If you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. In order to walk in the Spirit, you have to be totally dependent upon his ministry in your life. It takes your will surrendered, but it takes his power applied for you to be able to live for God. So the next verse that I want to share with you is from Romans 8, 12 to 14. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to it, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. This is the amazing thing in God's plan. It was death that brought victory to the flesh. It's death that brings its defeat. Did you see that? The Spirit needs to do what to the flesh? Put it to... Put it to death. But wait a minute, I don't want my flesh to die. It's my God container. No, but God says it's the nature of the flesh that needs to die. Amen? In fact, in Ephesians 2, and I don't know if I did this out of order, I might have, because... You know how God describes you and me? As the living dead. Is that a TV program? Oh, that's the walking dead. Well, I suppose it fits. All right. Can you get that Ephesians 2 passage up for me? If I skipped it, maybe you can get back to it. Here's what it says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is working in those who are disobedient to God. You mean that when I submit to my flesh, I'm actually submitting to Satan? Oops. Oops. It says, at one time we all lived among them, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. The next verse is amazing, but God. (laughs) I didn't put it up here, but it's but God, by his mercy and grace, can change that. Amen? He can change our condition from being uh, one worthy of his wrath to being a child born of him and born of his Holy Spirit. So now I want to get back to my testimony. I told God, I don't care what it costs, I just want to be right with you. So first he showed me that I had a problem with my nature that he he could change. And the next thing he said is this, this is how I want to change it. Die. Because this is what 6.1 says, Do you not know that all who are baptized into Christ Jesus are baptized into his death? You must be united with him in the likeness of his death in order to be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. 
So if I'm going to live a resurrection life, I've got to be willing to die. Amen? Are you, are you getting this? I hope you're getting this. You see, I want you to be free. I want you to be free of trying to live to please God by everything that you're trying to do for God with your effort and bring you into the place where you have the freedom to live for God because the Holy Spirit's enabling you to have victory. He's enabling you to see who God is every day of your life and to hear from God every day of your life. In fact, the next part of our series is we're going to hear about the giftings of the Holy Spirit, about the way the Holy Spirit speaks to us, about how our hearts can be filled with his love and become an expression of the Holy Spirit's love to everyone we meet. Amen? We're going to hear great things about how the Holy Spirit will manifest his presence in your life, but I want to tell you right now that the way to get him into the, that position is to die. <laughs> it's literally to die to the flesh. So just as as the flesh became powerful through death, that is, sin, sin came in and, and man died, now we can die to that and have the Spirit come back in and be in authority and control over our life and literally walk in the Spirit day by day. You know, something happened, and I don't have this up there as a verse, but something happened during some marriage counseling Joyce and I were doing. We were working in the book of Ephesians, and suddenly I read this verse, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in your hearts to God. And the Holy Spirit said, do the words that come out of your mouth make melody to God? Isn't that awesome? I can literally cause God to hear a song, a melody, a pleasing melody, if the Holy Spirit has control of my mouth and my attitude and my response. On my daily uh, to-do list, the number one every day is this. Give your mind, your mouth, and your heart to the Holy Spirit. You see, we need to consciously do this. The verses that we read just a while ago says, it's your mind that has to be made right. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your Again, I can change my mind, but only God can renew it, transform it. And so I literally need to live in the presence of God every day. He can't be someone up in heaven that, I, that I'm praying to and, and then try to live a life that's with his presence and with his power being released in me. Amen? So, Galatians 5 Boy, this is a great one, isn't it? I tell you the truth, says the Holy Spirit. The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that you may not do the things you may want to do. Now, I really want to really be very practical here. Is there something in your life, some habit, some attitude, where you're trying to defeat it by your effort? I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's your diet, your exercise, a physical challenge that you have in your body. You're trying to somehow call God down and, and bring him into the situation instead of inviting the Holy Spirit to come in and take absolute total control and, and be willing to die to that thing that the life of God might be released to you. Walking in the Spirit really means that I totally depend on the Holy Spirit for every aspect of my being. 
So that, that verse I told you about in Romans chapter 6, and I'm sorry if my notes are all messed up, but I'm just going to give you my heart this morning, okay? It said, I must be crucified with Christ. I must die so that Christ might live in me. And that I wanted to live in resurrection life instead of what I was doing, which is trying to live for God in my flesh. And not having any peace, not having any connection, not having any life in me that was from God. And so it says then that Christ died for sin once for all, that I might no longer be a slave to sin. And you know what? My first response was, I'm not a slave to sin. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, yes, you are. He said, you've been trying to clean up your act. How are you doing? Fail. You know, the world wants to conform you to its mold. It wants to make you find your identity in you, in your acceptance, your worth, your, your work, that who you are and what you do makes you significant. And God says, that's not, that's not my identity process. My identity process is for you to be in Christ and you to be born of me and to you to get your identity from me. Because he has a specific identity and purpose for every human being here. Amen? I mean, if he can make every snowflake different, he can certainly deal with the differences in us and still make us conform to his image. Amen? All right. So, anyway, then I had to realize that it was the death of Christ that would set me free if I was willing to die to myself and receive the life that he had for me. And that life came from the Holy Spirit. Then the very next thing it says is this, now instead of offering your instruments to unrighteousness, which leads to death, you can offer your instruments to God, and he will turn them into instruments of righteousness, which will bring him glory. And he does that by what means? The Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit in you. So how do I walk in the Spirit? Hmm. Number one, I stop trying to transform myself. And I see that it's a continual process. You know, Jesus taught that to his disciples. In Luke 9.23, he said, If anyone wants to be my disciple or he wants to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. See, my flesh is awake every day. I don't know about yours. Right? And every day it wants what it wants. And it wants authority over me. And my way to victory to that is the Holy Spirit. And so when I wake up every morning, guess what I do? <laughs> I honestly do this. I say, Holy Spirit, here I am. I'm yours. Use me today to do something to, to bring to further completion the work of Jesus Christ on the earth. Use me today to do something to release your kingdom presence, your person, and your power to everyone that I meet. Allow me to touch people for you. Allow me to speak to people with your truth. Allow me to bring life where there's death. Use me, God. Use me for your glory. Because I can't do it without you. Amen? Is that a good prayer to start the day? You see, the Holy Spirit says that he will put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's my provision from God. He says that he will do the good works of God through me. That's the, that gives me the purpose that God created me for. 
he says that he will change my identity or affirm my identity. In Romans chapter 8, it says, If by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you're truly living, and you will cry out, Abba, Daddy. You see, when the Holy Spirit has authority in your life, you have intimacy, (laughs) instant intimacy. Now, I love this part from Bill Johnson, and that's this. He said, please understand, the Holy Spirit is not a power, he's a person. He's not a power, he's a person. He has authority, and he can work the works of God through your life. But always remember, he's not just power, he's a person. Amen? And so when you minister, you're ministering with the person of God present with you and able to manifest the kingdom through you. So with the Holy Spirit, guess what? I can back, get back to having my identity from God, my purpose from God, my provision from God, and my authority from God. I can get back to where Adam and Eve were before they fall. They fell. That's pretty awesome. So what is the secret of walking in the Spirit? Submission and total dependence. Submission and total dependence. I don't know. I hope you find that's good news. Because it takes the pressure off of you. (laughs) It invites you into a living relationship with God. Amen? So I don't know. Maybe this morning there's something you've been struggling with in a relationship. Something you've been struggling with in your physical body. Something you've been struggling with in, in knowing how to deal with some hurt or some thing that's happened to you in your life, I hope you've heard this morning that the way to deal with it is to invite God to take full possession of you and to transform you into his likeness through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, would you stand with me? You know, God doesn't ever want his word to be given without an opportunity for us to respond. And I'm not sure even as I get to the end of this message whether I was as effective as I wanted to be in communicating what I believe God had put on my heart. But I showed this to Pastor Jim. This is my daily devotional. It has something for every day, and it's straight scripture. But guess what the one for today was? And I didn't read it before I felt that this was the message God had for me today to give you. We, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. As Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) 
God, I didn't know that that was the message you had for me today. I thought that was the message I was supposed to prepare for these people today. But you know what? When I finally got to the place where I realized that everything had to be from God for me, I hit the deck in that hotel room. And no one had instructed me how to pray. And yet I found myself saying this, Jesus, thank you that you died that I might have life. Thank you that you took my sins and offered me your righteousness. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you get out of my life, and Holy Spirit, you come in and take authority over my life. You know what? I was crying. I was broken. I was just so surrendered. And boom, instantaneously, it was like somebody threw a light switch. The total acceptance and love of God just filled me. I had never felt love like that. Total acceptance in spite of all the mistakes, all the sin. If you've never felt that, God wants you to. He wants you to. That's the love he has for you. Total acceptance. All he wants is you to give him all of you. All of you. And Satan will get out of your life when it's commanded in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, I can't say I've lived a perfect life ever since, but I've never gone back. Lust stopped. Boom. Just like that. I, I swear to you, lust stopped. And I'll be this honest with you. When I had a pickup truck, I used to look in the car next door to see if I could see a woman's legs or something. That's how lustful I was. But it stopped, boom, instantaneously. Right now, if Joyce and I are watching something on television and some female nakedness is about to occur, I spin my chair around or I get up and walk out of the room and I say to her, Honey, when that, sees, when that scene is over, if, if you still think the movie is worth watching, call me back. You see, I don't want the flesh to have any rule here. Amen? Because I know if it gets an opportunity, it's going to want it. And I don't want to give it an opportunity. So my mind is not a junkyard. It's a holy place. And transformed by God. So, brothers and sisters, I hope this is just an invitation for you to take inventory. Have you ever given yourself totally to God as the only means to live a righteous life? Let's pray. Father, I just come to you this morning and I thank you for what you promised to do if we just come to you and surrender. If we come to you and say, God, we want to get back to that place that we were created to be in that place you created us for, 
to be filled with your Holy Spirit, to live with you, to live in relationship with you, to be able, as Pastor Kelly said this morning, to hear your voice, to see visions from you, to interface with you on a regular basis, and to do your kingdom work here on the earth with power and authority. So God, we just come to you this morning and say, transform us. We don't want to just be changed. We want to be transformed. Give us the life that you've promised to give in Jesus Christ, and we'll walk in it for you and for your glory. Our chief end is to bring you glory and to do the work you've given us to do. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.